Oh, here. Someone else. Bless you, Steve. None of us would. Amen, Steve. Yes, sir. No doubt. Two things that just ring true to me the plan of salvation and the reserved word of God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Steve. Amen. There's no doubt, folks, when you got the King James Bible, you got the word of God. Amen. No doubt about it. Someone else? If you're glad to be here, say amen. And I'm happy, happy, happy. I don't know if life could get any busier. You hear me? Man, oh man. And, and that's one of the things I like about coming to the house of the Lord. When I come here, I just kind of go, Whew. I mean, really? It, it's good. I mean, I'm still busy. I'm still doing what God's called me to do. But what a blessing, what a blessing that it is. So we're just happy to be here. This handout that I gave you actually came from a series of lessons that I'm trying to teach up at Harmony. Uh, out from around behind Bible Center Church, there is a, there's a facility for geriatric people. That's a kind way of saying old people, and uh, I are one. And there's all kinds of different, you know, there's, there's unassisted living, assisted living, and maybe others. A beautiful facility, and they, they graced me to invite me up to teach for them several Thursdays out of the month, I mean out of the year, uh, Four different months, and every Thursday of those months out of the year, I'll get it right in a minute. So this handout is kind of birthed from that, but it goes along with what we taught, uh, what we looked at a couple of weeks ago here on, on uh, Revelation 4, and we're going to start back there. If you want to turn to Revelation 4, we're going to review really, really quickly while we run towards the uh, book of Psalms, Psalm 83. But as you see the heading of this, it's the rapture. Uh, of the church and the revelation of Christ. Now, let me tell you all something. Those two things are not the same thing. If you understand that, say amen. They are part of the second advent of Christ, but they are two separate parts to that. And by the way, if you didn't get one of these handouts, Steve Arnott's ready to give you one. If you didn't get it, raise your hand. Anybody? Kim, that's great. Thank you. So, uh, uh, you can look at these. My proofreader's down south. She caught a flight out Monday, and she'll be back next Tuesday, the good Lord willing. And uh, I hope some of the things on here are a blessing to you. One of the reasons that I brought this tonight is, is the first part of that, that that you see listed there about the major theories concerning end-time prophecy, concerning whether or not, for instance, the church will go through the tribulation. Everybody hear me right now and hear me clearly. The church that Jesus purchased with his blood, empowered by his spirit, entrusted with his word, is not going through the tribulation. None of it. None of it are we going through the tribulation. That's what's so good about the rapture. That's why you ought to not... Y'all not just get used to it. Every time you hear a message, a lesson, a scripture read, a, 
a song sung. Listen, when Don turns over and he says, let's go to 311. Man, I know what that is. It can happen any moment. That fires me up. It's not put on. There's something that happens down deep in my heart. There's five crowns that there is to win. And I'm about pretty sure I'm going to get one of the five because Paul said there's a crown laid up for me only. And here's what I like. Not to me only, but unto all those that love his appearing. Thank, I want to have something to lay at his feet. Thank God when we gather around him like we see to be gathered around in Revelation chapter 4. So we're not going through the tribulation. Matter of fact, I got happy today. I, I'll never get to where I was going. I'd already know that right now, but we'll do our best. Let me tell you what I got happy today. For years, I've studied prophecy. Don't know a lot about it, but I love, and I'm going to try to slow down, so hold the brakes, preacher. I, I, I love reading and rereading and checking and rechecking myself. And today, I, got to, I learned something. I, I mean to tell you I got happy. Everybody knows our world's in a mess, say amen. amen. Uh, it, it, it's, I'm telling you, it's a sad state that we're in. None of us, like Josh said when I started preaching 10 years ago, and he's been preaching a little over 11 now, so this was a year and a half ago, he said, I never thought I'd have to say anything about gender from the pulpit. Well, we've not seen anything yet, maybe if it keeps going. Well, these things have exploded, and I'm going to talk about, I hope to, convergence in just a little bit. That's one of the things that makes this hour that we live in, and I believe, Fred, I'm looking at people that are going out of here in the rapture. Now, if y'all aren't happy about it, if you need me, let's try that again. If y'all don't get it right, I'm coming down there and sit beside mom, and I'm going to show you how. Hey, I believe I'm looking at the rapture generation. That's a little more like it. That's the way we ought to act, folks. We ought to act like until you become like we're, we're excited about it. But I got to thinking, I, for years I wondered about Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, as it was in the days of Lot, as it was in the days of Noah. And there's so much in there. I mean, some of the great marks of Noah days was spiritual ignorance. Some of the marks of Noah and Lot days were the fact that they were more concerned about the here and the now than they were eternal things. Just things in this world to satisfy, just to get along, to meet the needs or the desires or both of daily living. They could care less about eternity. And then I got to thinking, with all of this explosion of homosexuality and so many people embracing it, so many people normalizing it. So many people putting it, it seems to me, in a category above everything else and by itself like it doesn't fit with the adulterer or the drunkard or the pornographer or the liar or the fornicator. Or Are you all with me? It's, it's just a sin like anybody else. It, it is a lifestyle choice. They weren't born that way. And listen, if you got any questions, there's only two genders. Now you can call yourself anything you want. I can call myself Cadillac and go stand in a garage, but that doesn't make me one. We're in a mess. I mean to tell you, I, I could go on. My mind is racing. But look here, folks. Here's what I got happy about. I never will forget years and years ago, and I was reading when those two angels went down to 
Lot's house, and he had him on the inside. The Bible says, and all the men of the city gathered around his house both. Here's the phrase that got me, young and old. Man, I got heart sick. Now listen, we're real deep into this thing, but we're not as deep as it's going to be. Can you imagine as it has downgraded in the last two and a half years, and I'm going to call it like it is. He's not the only reason for it, trust me, but under the Biden administration, I don't care who would be in the office. It just happens to be Biden. It started back, I think, with, well, with Bill Clinton and and uh, the young Bush and the old, the old Bush is the first one I ever heard start talking about globalization. Do you all realize that? They all come out of the same mess here. But it's picked up speed since Obama. And listen, friend, we're, we're heading downhill fast with Biden. Okay? Now, I'm just, I'm, I'm just being honest with a broken, broken heart. So if things have progressed and the doors have been opened and the dams have raised their gates as high as they can, and it's going over the top and over the spillway and everywhere. How bad could it get in another 10 years? Are y'all listening? So here's what I got happy about. See, I used to wonder, and I don't wonder anymore. I got my answer today. I just talked to Debbie. How bad is it going to get? Listen, I don't think it's going to get it. Uh, I don't think we're going to see it get as bad as it's going to be, but it's already bad enough for me. But it's going to get to the place that, listen, young and old, and it's already there, but I'm talking about the majority of people will be involved in the kind of sins that are going on in Noah's day and uh, Lot's day. Does that make sense? Sometimes I get something in my mind and I can, can say it in, a, in such a confusing way. So I got happy over that. I thought, bless God, it's bad, but I'm not going to be here when it gets as bad as it's going to get. And the reason being, the, the restrainer is going to be removed when we go, and that's the Holy Spirit. Now, he's going to be here, but he's not going to be here like he was since he came at Pentecost. He's going back to being like he was in the Old Testament days. Don't have time to get to that. But look what we got in Revelations, Revelation 4 and 1. I'm going to read verse 2 with it. Anybody got any questions, comment on that? Are y'all going to interrupt me any time you want, disagree with me or help me out, make me, make me right or whatever? But, uh, man, I tell you what, I'm passionate about this. I, I'm so excited. The world looks like it's falling apart, and God's sitting up there and looking at his son and says, it's falling in place. Amen. This is what he said, verse 1 and 2. He said, now after this, he's talking about after the church age. We talked about this last week. We are living in the Laodicean church age, but the Laodicean church age is also overlapped by the church age or the phase of the Philadelphian church. They're, they're, they're intermixed. The Philadelphia church is going to be raptured out, and the Laodicean church members are going on in to uh, the tribulation time. I told you last time we studied, I think it was three weeks ago, that on Sunday, after the rapture of the church, after we're snatched away, and you'd be surprised the people that claim to name Jesus as their Savior don't believe in the rapture. I mean, they'll, they'll fight against it every way they can, but they'll be happy when they're a part of it, if they're saved, by the way. Um, there'll be churches meet without the loss of a member, and they'll have no idea what happened. And then I think there'll be some preachers who'll get up on that next Sunday after or whatever, look at their congregation, look at this Bible and say, why didn't I see that? So anyway, we're living in exciting times. John said, and I believe he is a picture, and I've got that recorded 
uh, here in, this, in, these, in these remarks that I made that he is a picture here, and some people would disagree, but they want to be wrong. It's all right with me. He's a picture of the church being called up. Listen now, after this, after the church age is completed on planet Earth, there are seven churches that Jesus addressed in seven letters. They were actual churches of Asia Minor. They were prophetical or typical in their characteristics of the seven different church ages or phases, probably is a better way to say it, that the church has passed through since Pentecost and will pass through uh, at the time of the rapture. The number seven means what? Completion. And the church is going to be complete in its work that Jesus has called it to here. And then look, after this, we're gone. Let me ask y'all a question now. John goes on and says, after this I look, and then I'll ask you the question. I saw a door open in heaven. First voice which I heard was that were a trumpet talking with me saying, come up hither, I'll show you the things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, uh, and behold a throne was set in heaven and one uh, sat on the throne. Man, I'll tell you what, that's, that's where I want to be and that's where I want to go. By the grace of God, I will. But, but as we look at this, oh, what's that I was going to say? Lord, I lost my thought. Anyway, I'll make something up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it, it's not coming back to me. But anyway, after the church age, folks, we're gone. Here's what it was. It was a question. How many times... Is the word church or the word churches mentioned in the book of the Revelation in the first three chapters? Any questions, guesses? 19 times. Isn't that amazing? That's worth writing down and remembering. Now, here's why I asked the first question so I could ask the second. How many times is it mentioned in the book of the Revelation from chapter 4 through chapter 19 on planet Earth? Zero. Y'all got that one right. Isn't that amazing? Y'all think that's an accident? We're leaving out of here, folks. Now, look, let me give you one more thing. We got to go. Got to go. Got to move on. I told you three weeks ago we could stay here until he comes and beyond with this subject that we've we begun, the second coming of Christ. When you, begin, when you begin to look at this and think about what's going to happen, it, it, it's so exciting. But, but when you think about the church being gone, friend, it's only a temporary thing. He only meant, if you want to look back in chapter, chapter 15 of the book of Acts, you'll see what they decided, and, and you'll see another, and after this in there, probably be good for you to read. But, but anyway, let, let's, we're, we're, going to go, we're going to go on. So I was asked to mention, and there are actually more than this list that I have, how many theories is there concerning uh, the second coming of Christ? Well... Uh, like I said here in my paper, there are three major ones. Now, I'm going to tell you all something. The only way to get the truth to the Word of God is to do this. Number one, rightly divide the Word of God. Y'all agree? 2 Timothy 2.15, But study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. And the only way that we can rightly divide, I, you, all of us, any of us, only way we can rightly divide and interpret the Word of God correctly is we do it by literal interpretation. Somebody explain what literal interpretation means. Anybody? It means what it says. Here's the first law of hermeneutics. 
You say, Herman who? That's what I said first time I heard Herman who? Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is a word that defined means a study of the Word of God, how to study the Word of God. And believe me when I tell you this, John, you get this, your youngest one in here. If you just let the Holy Spirit teach you as a young Christian until you mature to as old as you're going to get on planet Earth, just follow the leadership of the Spirit, comparing Scripture with Scripture, you'll learn to rightly divide the Word of God. Here's the first, here's the first law of Bible hermeneutics. Brother John Soyes back there said it. When the Word of God makes sense, seek for no other sense. Y'all know what I'm going to ask you, don't you? Does that make sense? <laughs> hey, you set them up, I'll tee them off every time. When the Word of God makes sense, seek for no other sense. And I told you three weeks ago, when the Word of God is presenting to me and you a picture, a type, a shadow of something, the Word of God most generally will always give it to you in the context that you find it in or somewhere else in the Word of God. The Bible is the greatest commentary on the Bible that was ever written. Let me give you a for instance of that. Anybody in here besides me ever read the book of Daniel? And I know you have. Well, you know what I used to do when I was real young? I'd start reading about those four kingdoms. You know, I'd, I'd read about that lion and those leopards and those panthers and, I mean, all of those different beasts. Y'all remember them? I was talking about the Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, uh, the Grecian and the Roman empires. You know, I'd, I'd get so entangled with those beasts when I would move below them where God was explaining who and what they were, I'd like, I'd like I always had blinders on. I couldn't see a thing. So just let the Word of God speak. And if you ever think the Word of God's wrong, mark that, folks. You'll find that you're wrong, and eventually the Word of God is right. So it, it's, it's fun to do, but we take a literal interpretation of the Scripture. And here's what that'll do for us. It will make us become dispensationalists. Everybody know what that is? Say amen. Some of you do. A dispensationalist sees the word of God in seven dispensations. We studied those here. Do you all remember? The dispensation of innocence. That is the time that Adam and Eve lived on planet earth prior to when they sinned. It went, it went from the... Um, from the dispensation, a period of time when God tests man's according to certain rules and regulations. That's my definition, not anyone else's. It went from innocence when they were created perfect. You know, they, they were naked and didn't know it. They walked with God. Y'all remember that? The second one was by conscience. See, they ate of the tree. Their eyes were open. They knew the difference between good and evil. That's conscience. It was quickened and awakened. So they lived by conscience just uh, for a little while. Then it went from that to, uh, to what was the third one? I haven't looked at these in a while. Was it family? Well, it went from that when I know to law. The law of Moses went to law of Moses to grace, which we're in today. And the last one would be the uh, dispensation of the kingdom. I'm going to say I've not looked at those. It's just... Lord stirred my heart to that. And when you begin to rightly divide the Word of God, do it literally. I'm going to give you another phrase under the historical grammatical uh, usage of the Word of God, meaning you find out what a word means and you just let it speak for itself. That's it. You do it in the historic 
perspective that it was written, when you get that understanding, just use it and the Word of God begins to make sense. You'll become, you'll become, friend, a dispensationalist which will put you uh, to believe. I said a lot to get to this. Y'all ready for it? It's no big conclusion. You'll believe that the church is going out pre-tribulation. Okay? You can't get it any other way. Now, when I started in the ministry, when I, when I become a student of the Word of God, I spiritualized everything in there. I, that's the way I was raised. That's the way I was taught. But when God began to open my eyes and stir my heart to the truth, and I began to just let the Word of God say what the Word of God was saying instead of trying to make it say something it wasn't, change me. Y'all agree I'm a great preacher? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, I mean, I have come a long way. I don't, I've not come far enough. Don't take that wrong. That's not a boast. That's a criticism. I should be further, farther down the road. I never get that right. Further, farther, farther. You don't know either. Okay. I'd like to learn which one it is, but I can't never figure it out. But anyways, the farther, further. You tell me. You don't. Either one. All right. All right. Maybe I'm better off than I thought I was, but. I ought to be farther down the road than what I, what I am. So, anyway, here are the three different views of, of the rapture. There's one that I forgot to put on there. It's the fourth one, and I'll start with it. That's what I was, an all-millennialist. Somebody tell the congregation what the word millennial means. 1,000 years, made up of two words, Adam um, and millennium, and means 1,000 years. And see, I was taught that we're living in that thousand years when I was growing up, that during this period of time, Satan is chained, you know, like Revelation 20 said he's going to be. And I used to think, man, if he's chained up, he's got a long chain. That's what I used to think. But anyway, in Revelation 20, if you want to turn over and read sometime, you'll find that Jesus is going to sit on a throne on planet Earth and rule over a kingdom for a thousand years year period of time that's not spiritual it's literal so what i was taught was that this stuff about the kingdom age and the rapture and all of that that's not true because here was our rapture at the end of time when one angel would put his foot on the land and on the sea and declare that time be no more right in the middle of the book of the revelation i'm thinking wait there's more to come and why are they trying to tell me it's ending right here? I just couldn't get it. They would say that everybody, sinners and saints alike, were going to be raptured. We were going before God in the judgment. The goats would be the lost. The sheep would be the saved. The goats would go to hell. The sheep would go to heaven. And we would start eternity. Forget about the kingdom. Are you all with me? Okay, so today I am a pre tribulation rapturous and the reason being I believe the church is going to be snatched away not because of what I feel but because of what the word of God says before the judgment upon all the earth is released by God Almighty but there are two other groups one of them you'll see is the mid-tribulation rapturist they believe that the church is going out before all the rapture is is experienced by them. They believe that the church is going to be raptured at the th first, after the first three and a half years before the second three and a half years begin, which kind of they believe and teach gets really, really bad. 
And it does get bad. It increasingly worsens, I think. And then there are the post-tribulation rapturists that believe the church, because, now listen to this, the reformers, the reform crowd, they're the Calvinists, the hyper-Calvinists of this day who believe that you're saved by grace of God, who believe, friend, that actually you're elected to this thing. You can't turn it down or accept it either way. You have no, you have no power over this. They believe that some people need a little kind of tweaking. So in order for them to get just right to go to heaven, they've got to go through that whole seven-year period of time. Well, they're going to be glad, both the post and the pre or the mid, they're going to be real glad that we're right on that day of rapture. Amen. So. It is, Stephen. That's one of the things that makes it so unique because they are Calvinists. And Calvinists believe, you know, in the security of the believer. So uh, eternal life when you get saved. So it's, it's pretty strange, I think. Yes. Yeah, they do. The Calvinists... The Calvinists that I'm referring to, the Reformed group, believe that you're predestined either heaven or hell. The Calvin, Calvin in setting forth his doctor, created a system. T-U-L-I-P. Is that how you spell TULIP, right? I, and, and that acronym, he's got certain, you know, doctrinal truths that he puts out beside it, like the, word, the letter L in TULIP. He teaches, or he taught, and these hyper-Calvinists, I uh, believe today that when Jesus died, he, he just, he, he, um, he achieved a limited atonement. It was only for so many. How many of you believe the Bible teaches whosoever will let him come? You see, we believe what the Word of God said. John 3.16, for God loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that what? Whosoever will. Jesus said, he that cometh to me, I want to know why I was cast out. The Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we believe a whosoever will gospel that his blood and the redemption that he purchased that is not limited to a few, but that it is available to whosoever will. Okay? Sally? Yes, ma'am, on the throne of David. I'm looking at one and you're looking at another. We're going to be there. The bride of Christ is going to be with him, but not just that. There, at the end of the tribulation, there's going to be the, the, the I suppose, there's going to be another, there's going to be another resurrection. The Old Testament saints will get up at the end of the resurrection with the tribulation saints, the people that during the time of the tribulation accepted Christ as their Savior, regardless of whether they believed the angel flying through the heavens preaching the everlasting gospel, or they heard one of the 144,000 from uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 from each tribe, and it's not Jehovah Witnesses, by the way. Um, going to all the earth as evangelists preaching the gospel of the kingdom. We preach, I preach the gospel of the grace of God. They're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Okay, this is the age of the church, the age of the grace of God. So when it gets to them, those people that put their trust in Christ and either are living 
at the end of the tribulation or have died, they'll be resurrected and they'll go into the tribulation as saved people. But wait just a minute. See, I told y'all I'd never get to what I was going to teach y'all. Matthew 25 is a part of the Olivet Discourse. It follows chapter 24. See how smart I am? And in that, it teaches a judgment. It teaches the judgment of the sheep nations and the goat nations. Anybody know what that means and what it's referring to? It's speaking about the nations that are on planet Earth during the tribulation, and they are determined to be either sheep nations, and being a sheep is a good thing. If you agree, say bye. Uh, I got you. I caught you off guard, didn't I? If you're a goat nation, when the Bible talks about Jesus comes in his revelation, you remember when he said, to be in the bed sleeping, to be at the meal, to be in the field. One will be taken in judgment, the total opposite of the, of the rapture, and the other will be left to go into the tribulation. They'll go in there maybe lost people, but because they were kind to the brethren of Jesus, and I can show you all this in the book of Matthew if I had time, if they were good to the Jew during that time, they're a sheep nation, so they'll go in. God's going to populate it in the beginning like that, but we as changed people with bodies that are glorious, likened unto Christ, uh, that have been translated, we can't have children. Thank you, Lord. All right? But they, but they can. So there will be babies born, uh, the longevity of man will go back as it was pre-Noah days in the, in the time of, of Eden when they lived a thousand years. And if a, man, if, if, if a man dies at 100 years of age, they'll call him a child. Today we call him an old man or an old woman. But things are going to change. Earth's going to back to be kind of like Eden, pre-fall day. And the population is going to grow. Jesus is going to rule on the throne of David. David will be his co-regent. The temple will be in the city of Jerusalem on planet Earth during the millennial. Read um, Ezekiel's chapter 40 through 48, I believe it is. And it's just going to be a great expanse. The, the temple mount is going to be beautiful. The new temple is going to be beautiful. And Christ is going to reign there in righteousness. He's going to reign with a, with a rod of iron. A sharp sword will still come out of his mouth. When somebody sins, he'll judge them instantly, won't let it go on, and the judgment's going to be true and righteous altogether. So that's how the kingdom is going to get populated, and that's who's going to rule over it, and that's who's going to be there. We're going to be there too, by the way, sis. Will they be all over the world? Yes, mankind will be all over the world because it says if they don't come up to Jerusalem and anywhere you come from around the world, you come up because Jerusalem's elevated, you, 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 that God will judge them. It won't rain on them, you know. God will judge them in some way. So, yeah, so. Pardon me? Is that here a thousand years? Yes, that is during a thousand years. Yep. Eternity. 
After that, you'll have the second, and we'll get to the wars sometime. Hey, look, as long as y'all join us, I can care what we talk about. As long as you're engaged like you are tonight, as long as your eyes are open, like you're learning and getting something, either you're re being reinforced in what you knew or thought you knew, or else you're learning something. I can care where we go in this, okay? Um, as long as we're interested. But uh, see, I forgot what I was going to say there. Oh, thank you. What happens at the end of the thousand years? You have the second battle of Gog and Magog. You see, you have the first battle of Gog and Magog, and we would have gotten to the introduction to that tonight as we look in chapter 83 of Psalm. That is at the beginning of that tribulation period. probably happened before the seven years begins. And when I get to that point, I'd like to take about a month teaching you all some things that I think I've dug out of the Word of God and see what you have to say. But that second battle of Gog and Magog would be at the end of the millennial reign. Chapter 20 of the book of Revelation tells us that after Satan, who is bound with the chain, cast into the bottomless pit, if you want to read up on that, read, read Isaiah 14. It was in our study tonight. When they see Satan cast down to hell, during the, or during the millennial reign of Christ, when they see him without his pomp and glory, Isaiah says in chapter 14 that they'll look upon him and say, are you him? Isn't that amazing? When he appears without any of his power and pomp and glory, this once angel known as Lucifer who is beautiful. The devil isn't a little red man with a pointed tail and a pitchfork and horns on his head. He transforms himself into the angel of light. He is a beautiful... Why do you think sin is so alluring and so satisfying? Why do you think the devil has so much success at it? It appeals. It appeals. So he'll be cast down a thousand years. He'll be shut up. He won't be able to do anything as he is doing today. But look at this. That's where I was going. But look at this. I never will forget when I learned at the end of the thousand years, how in the world did, did that angel, we know now as Satan, that will be Gog, the leader of Magog, which is a man and a people, how will he be able to deceive the people on planet earth, get so many to go against Christ and follow him after a thousand years on earth of prosperity and peace? Can you all imagine the advances man are going to make in that hour? Can, can you imagine? I can't. Blows me away. So how, how, how in that perfect climate and that perfect kingdom and that perfect time how come so much sin what 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 anybody want to answer his heart go to the book of jeremiah and we'll quit here lordy mercy nobody's at the house so i, I don't have anybody to sleep with so i can stay here all night if y'all want to jeremiah chapter 17 look at this I wondered about this, and this is how I learned it to go along with what we're talking about, the end of the, trib, end of the millennial. This is what he said in chapter, chapter 17, the book of Jeremiah, verses 
9 and 10. If everybody's there, say amen. Let me hear if I can hear pages. They're still turning. Let me wait. These, these are verses you ought to mark. Jeremiah, right after Isaiah, right before Lamentation. You got it? All right, let's go. Jeremiah 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. God asks the question, who can knows it? Who, who can know it? He answers it in verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. Men in the tribulation will submit to Christ because they fear him. They'll submit to him because he's ruling his nation, his kingdom. Not nation, but his kingdom with a rod of iron. Righteousness will be the rule of the day. And they will fear him. They will not rise up against him. But when they get the first opportunity, they're going to, listen, they're going to cut trail and get out of town. They're going to prove who and what they are. Now listen to this. We, we do have to quit. It's, it's two minutes till seven. I talked to you about seven dispensations, right? Okay. God in those seven dispensations that have been, that is currently being, and the one that is left to be, is proving to man that he's a sinner needing to be saved by grace. If we did not have this thousand-year millennial where Christ rules from the throne of David out of the city of Jerusalem in fulfillment of the Davidic covenant in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7, man would come up to him in judgment and say, Now, you know what? You got me on all these things you said I'm a sinner about. And that's true, Lord. You, you got me. What do you think the next word David say is? But if you would have given me a time when Satan was locked up and when Satan was, was in prison and, and not so he wouldn't bother me and tempt me and test me, I'd have proved to you what I would be. And God's given him that opportunity. You see, it's not Satan. If I ever felt sorry for Satan, it's when people try to blame him for things that's not his. You remember Flip Wilson's famous line, the devil what? That's a lie. That's a lie. Nobody, listen, everybody listen to me right now say amen. You may not like this, and you may think I have no idea what I'm talking about, but trust me, I'm smarter than what I look. Nobody makes you feel, think, or do anything you do not choose to do. You say, somebody made me mad. No, they didn't. Somebody did something to you that you chose to get mad about. It's, don't get, listen, don't give somebody else that much power over you. Don't let that happen. Satan doesn't have that much power. Now, he can allure. Exactly right. He'll bring it to us. He'll make sure it's available. But we make the choice. It's not Satan's fault. So, helpful? Coming back for Psalm 83, maybe next week. Y'all look at that, and that's, that's where we'll head. Look at the handout if there's any corrections. Let me know. I'll make them. Like I say, Debbie wasn't home when I finished it, and I looked at it three times, but every time I look, I look at what I intended to write and not what I did write. So, Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege of looking in the Word of God. And I pray, Lord, if there's someone here tonight that, that Lord, may be sitting on pins and needles, even under the conviction of the Spirit of God, and he'll put us on pins and needles. 
Lord, I know you're dealing with them if they're lost. I pray that tonight would be the night like I did on a Wednesday night, Lord, in 1974. Bowed at an altar, a sinner, and came up a saint. May they come to be that tonight in Christ's name. Amen. So if you need to pray, want to pray, the altar's open for you to pray.